Happy Mother's Day. Join me in the prayer for illumination as printed in the bulletin and on your screen. Gracious God, great teacher, bearer of peace, helper of all, we seek your wisdom. Open our hearts and minds to your word and to possibilities yet unseen. Amen. Today's scripture lesson is from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But in the stern, asleep on the cushion, they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And waking up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be silent, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this morning we are blessed to have Reverend Donna Van Trees preaching for us. Reverend Donna is the Associate District Superintendent for our Firelands District. So welcome, Pastor Donna. He's taller than I am. And thank you, Heidi, for the prayer beads. Um, when I was here in Tiffin, um, I used to go to the Y every morning and swim. And um, I needed motivation to do the laps. And so I would take the words that were, I don't remember what the sayings were on the wall, but I would begin my lap, and so I would face, I'd take the first word, first letter of the first word, and I would pray for all the people I could think of with that, whose name began with that letter for the first lap. Then as I was turning around, I would take the next letter, and that was my motivation to keep swimming laps. Um, Bishop Sally Dick, um, who was in our, uh, our uh, she came out of our conference, she's a runner, and she used to carry prayer beads with her because she would assign to each bead a different person or thing to pray about. And as she was running, she would hold on to those beads, and that was her motivation to keep running and pray. So thank you for the, the prayer beads. You pray with me. Holy God, as I stand in this place, I pray that you would remove all of me that would get in the way of your message today. Capture the thoughts of our hearts and minds that they, along with the words of my lips, might glorify Jesus, our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. So a mother walked in on her six-year-old who was sobbing. And she said, honey, what's the matter? And he said, I just figured out how to tie my shoes. And she said, well, honey, that, that's a good thing. You're growing up. But, but why are you crying? And he said, because now I'll have to do it the rest of my life. Troubles are all at different levels for us, aren't they? Um, we struggle with things sometimes, and just at the thought of having to tie your shoes every day for the rest of your life was a trouble for that six-year-old child. We face troubles. Jesus told this story through Mark to teach us that we will have difficulties in our life. 
There will be storms that come and storms that go, but Jesus is the presence that will calm us in the midst of the storm. What was it Jesus said? I will never leave you or forsake you. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, um, he was not a faint-hearted kind of guy. He was a pretty strong man in his faith. He was in the Anglican Church, and in the Anglican Church, the priests were only to preach from the pulpit. And so he took a stand as he went out among the people and preached on the street corners and preached near the, the mines, and he got in trouble with the powers that be in the church because that wasn't acceptable for a respectable priest. And that's when John Wesley began saying, the world is my parish. The world is my parish. Not just the people warm in the pews, but the world is my parish. So John Wesley was a strong man, and yet on one of his trips from America back to England, there was a huge storm that, that blew up, and he, among many of his um, shipmates, found themselves holding onto their bunks with their heads in their hands, worried about whether or not they were going to make it or not. And about that time, the, there was a congregation of Moravians in the ship, and they began having their daily worship time, singing praises to God. And Wesley wrote about wanting that kind of confidence that God would see him through the storm of life. And so he wondered what made these Moravians so peaceful, so filled with, with a quiet calmness of their soul. And I think it was that trait that the disciples were missing when they were with Jesus in the boat on that stormy lake. The wind was howling and the waves were rolling and it says that the boat was about to sink. And the disciples who had walked with Jesus for three, almost three years, who had been studying his ways and learning from him, suddenly their trust was not deep enough to trust that Jesus would carry them through the storm. What that reveals to me is a shallowness of faith. A shallowness. They, they knew who Jesus was. They thought they knew who Jesus was, but they weren't ready to put their full trust in him. You might wonder about those disciples who who saw Jesus speak, and the wind was calm, and the waves ceased. What a miracle, what a transforming miracle, how powerful that must have been. And yet, I don't believe that's the miracle that Jesus wanted the disciples to experience that day. I believe the miracle that Jesus wanted his disciples to, to experience that day was the peace in them that could be there in the midst of the storm. The peace that passes all understanding. The peace, Jesus said, not as the world gives, but as he gives. The Moravian travelers had that kind of peace, a faith that, that knows that with Jesus, there is no storm too fierce. There is no opponent too great there is no crisis so complete that Jesus cannot see us through. 
that's the real story of, of Jesus and the disciples on the stormy lake. The disciples lost their chance to experience jubilation of understanding and knowing that peace because they didn't have the courage to ride out the waves with Jesus. Have any of you ever been on a roller coaster? Oh, come on. Thank you. Okay, so there are some people on roller coasters. I, I'm not a roller coaster fan. It scares me to death. But there are people who love roller coasters and who go on it, and they talk about the thrill, the jubilation, the exhilaration they feel on the roller coaster. Think about it. That's what the disciples could have experienced on that stormy lake with Jesus. Jesus, the designer of the world, who understood the winds from their creation, who understood the water from the time of creation, the engineer of all of that. And the disciples could have ridden through that crazy storm if they had put confidence in the creator and God alone. But they missed out on it. They were too afraid. Their fear caused Jesus to shut the ride down, to calm the sea, to quiet the winds, so there would know peacefulness, calmness. And I wondered about that, about us in our walk with Christ. How many times we have, we have voluntarily dry docked our faith. We wanted to go into the safe harbor. We don't want the storms. We say that we believe in a God who holds tomorrow, and yet we don't trust tomorrow. We say that we believe in a God who equips us if he calls us to do something, and yet we shrink away in fear when we feel someone asking us to do something new or different for God. We say we believe that Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We believe Jesus meant that, but yet we live as if Jesus will leave us or forsake us. We say that we believe that with God all things are possible, but we don't live our lives that way. We try to do a lot of things on our own without God. We say that we believe that we can do nothing without God, and yet our daily lives reflect something different. And if a few of us do paddle out onto the waters, we want to stay in the shallow waters, in the safe waters, afraid that what if, what if a storm comes and, and pulls us out farther? What if? What if? The disciples experienced firsthand the power of God over nature. They had not experienced resurrection, but we know, we know that God also had the power of life over death. Resurrection teaches us that we no longer need to fear even death itself. So what keeps us anchored into safe harbors? What are we afraid of? What are we holding on to so tightly? I used to go to Canada every summer fishing. And one, one summer, we were, we were fishing back in the bay, and as we were getting ready to head back to our cabin, as we approached this peninsula, we saw the storm on the other side. And we knew we had to drop anchor and try to ride out the storm. And so we did. 
and there was a rocky shore, and we were worried about the, the anchor breaking free and us ending up on the rocks, but we, we stayed there. Our anchor held through the whole storm, and then when, when peace came and it was time to head back to the cabin, the storm was over, we tried to pull up the, the anchor. We tried. We pulled on it. We moved the boat around trying to get that anchor out. We could not move the anchor. It was stuck. And so we cut the rope and headed back to the cabin. Later, we found out from some OSU um, Marine students that um, it was embedded in tree roots in the bottom of the lake, and they got it free. But I wondered about that. I wonder what we have so dug our spiritual anchors into that it keeps us from experiencing the peace and the full joy of God our creator. What have we so put our anchor into that we can't get it out? Is it, is it the things of this world? Are we stuck in our past? Are we stuck with the shoulda, woulda, coulda stuff? Maybe we're afraid. We're more afraid of living than dying. We're more afraid of doing something that would cause someone to wonder about us. We're afraid of what others might think. I remember when I went off to college, my my paternal grandmother said to me, Donna, don't worry about what other people think of you. Only worry about what God thinks of you. <laughs> Only worry about what God thinks of us when we're trying something new. Because we will fail sometimes, and it's okay. Our God is bigger than any of our failures. Sometimes I think we're like that six-year-old little boy that... Once we learn how to do something, and this happens in the church a lot, once we learn how to do something, we're afraid that we'll have to do it the rest of our lives. Jesus doesn't want us to stay on this tightly knit, narrow path where we never experience the full joy of life, where we never take risks to discover that even in the midst of storms, God is there. Even in the midst of doing new things that are beyond our understanding, God is there and will see us through. Sometimes, being in the presence of God is described as, it's nice. Being in the presence of God is soothing. Being in the presence of God is, is affirming and it's, it's encouraging. And friends, that's our wish list. Yes, sometimes being in God's presence is like that, but, but it's like saying that Lake Erie is always calm or that the wind is always a whisper. Tell the people who've experienced tornadoes or hurricanes that. Or that fire is always a warming presence. Tell someone who's been through a horrential um, house fire or a fire. <laughs> the fact is, sometimes those things can be a terror 
sometimes being in the presence of God can be a terror. Its demand, its vocation, its cost is precisely a measure of how clear our understanding of God is. I remember when a friend of mine uh, went forward and accepted Jesus as his Savior, and then a few weeks later he was having some difficult times, and, and he got mad, and he said, I'm leaving the church. And, and as we talked, it was because he thought that once he gave his life to Jesus, everything would be easy. Many of us know that once we give our life to Jesus, life gets tough because we see the world as it is. John Wesley said we are called to move on to perfection. Jesus said that we are to be holy like God is holy. Paul reminded us of that, that we need to be holy like God is holy. We are called to experience God, yes, in the quietness, but also in the midst of the storm, to experience his peace in the midst of that. How else can we as a church carry out the directive of Jesus to go into all the ends of the earth and share the good news that God loves them in the midst of what they're going through? How else except to walk with them in the midst of that? The miracle of this story is not about Jesus calming the sea, calming the storm. It's about reminding us that there is nothing, there is nothing that Jesus cannot do to keep us from ultimate harm. And secondly, to remind us that we live in a world where there are sinful folks where all of us are imperfect, and there will be rough times for all of us. The gospel story confirms that the boat in which Jesus and the disciples found themselves went through a real storm, a real threat. The storm did not blow around them. They had to go through the storm. It hit them full force. The scripture said they were afraid for their lives. And there was Jesus asleep. Look around today at the folks who are gathered here with us. Look around at the people you will encounter today and this week at work or at play or wherever you find yourselves. Some are going through storms. Storms that you may not know about. <laughs> And they may need an encouraging word. They may need to know that in the midst of the storm, God is there. Nowhere does Jesus promise his followers anything different. A peaceful voyage is not, is not the ticket that we, we travel on as Christians. We are promised peace, peace in our journey with Christ, because Christ will be present with us wherever we find ourselves, through the thick and thin, through the good and the bad. Jesus promises not to sail us around the storm, but to bring us through the storms, still in one peace.
the peace that passes all understanding. I, I don't know about you, but I would rather be in a rocking boat with a calm Jesus than to be in a calm boat with a shaky captain. I hope today you leave this place knowing that Christ is walking with you, Christ is with you in the midst of your storm, and we'll see you through to the other side. Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, for loving us, for calling us by our names, for knowing us more intimately than we know ourselves sometimes. And Lord, you know when we're faking it to everybody else that the storm is raging inside. And so, holy God, I pray that in this moment, you will come anew upon all of us gathered in this place. Remind us, Christ is with us. You go before us, and you will lead us through that we might know your peace, that we might know your joy made complete in us. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite